In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by my colleague and friend Katie Zaccardi. Uh, this is a fun episode because Katie and I uh, talk about uh, quite a few things. We start off by talking about you know, how it was for her to grow up in New York and what that experience was like. And then the fact that she was introduced to entrepreneurship at an early age with her parents only one of the first e-commerce businesses and she kind of knew right then and there that she was going to be of an entrepreneur eventually as she got older we talk about how she first got introduced to music and when she knew she wanted to pursue music professionally um then we we get into a bit of a master class so to say where we talk about a few different things we talk about the mindset how to properly have the right mindset in order to achieve success in your music business right and and also this misconception of the notion of you have to be working five and six jobs and going a million miles an hour to can be considered doing being productive right uh, we break down those myths as well as we talk about uh, social media and a lot of the strategies that you can use to grow your audience organically as well as we are uh, we end off the episode by talking about not being afraid to ask for the money, how to know when to, what type of offers to launch to your audience as you build community, so that you can be able to create revenue that allows you to have a long lasting um, career as a creative uh, in, the, in the space today, in the ecosystem today. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Another episode of the Encouragement by Podcast is episode nine, and I'm excited today because I have a friend of mine. We do a lot of the same similar things, so I just thought it was just perfect for getting her on my podcast because she's awesome. Her name's Katie Zaccardi, and she is a she's a creative. She's also a music business consultant. She does a lot of things which we won't get into. But how you doing? I am doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to talk. Oh, man, I'm so glad. I love what you're doing. And I, I first discovered you on, with Brianna, uh, Brianna Rellis, and she's, I love her. She's awesome. And, Brianna's the best. <laughs> yeah. And then I said, wow, she you do a lot of the same things. And I always tell people, you know, there's enough space for all of us to be here doing what we do. We all have a little bit of a different approach, you know, uh, but it's enough space for all of us to to be able to get our message and build our brand and still help each other and still support each other. You know, I, I, I don't think people feel like, a lot of people feel like, oh man, there's everybody doing the same thing. No, we all do a little bit, we all kind of do the same thing in general, but it's more of, we have just a bit of a different approach. Like you mostly talk, you mostly approach women, you know, creatives and things like that. That's your yeah. niche, you know what I mean? Now, what you teach is definitely universal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I totally agree. Like there's there's a lot of scarcity in the music industry in in many different ways, but one of them I think comes from 
artist feeling like, oh, there's not enough room for me or there's so many people. Am I going to make it? And you could say the same thing for coaches where like if you're like, I want to help people or I want to consult or be a coach, but there's so many out there. But you, whatever you do, you bring your own unique value to what you're doing and you're right. going to have your own unique niche and people that you attract. So, you know, like you said, what I teach, you know, it's not exclusively for women. Like everyone right. can learn from it. Right. But I like to work with women in music because I have a background in that working with the nonprofit Woman Crush. And nice. I just think that, you know, there's a lot of uh, female artists out there or female identifying people who just feel like it's there's not enough room for me or like I'm too old for this or I'm not going to get paid my worth. And I really want to empower women to kind of like take over the space a little bit more. <laughs> that is so awesome. That's so awesome. So cool. So, um, said you were born in New York. So was I, uh, I was born in Brooklyn, but I moved to Florida at seven. So I, I left New York very, very early. So See, I, I actually was born in Rhode Island and I moved to back to New York when I was four. So I kind okay. of okay. a little bit. But <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Cool. So how was, how was it for you growing up in New York? Like, and then how, after that, like, how were you first introduced to music? Like, how, how, did, all, how did that all happen for you? Yeah. So... So I grew up right outside of the city, just north in Westchester, and I went to high school and college in the city, so I feel like I got, like, the full experience. Right. And I I don't even have, like, a first memory of music because I think that really my music discovery was before I could have memories. My parents uh. joke about how I would be, like, bouncing in, like, a little, like, pack-and-play dancing to Alanis Morissette's uh album and okay. <laughs> <laughs> jagged little pill and like i would just be like bopping around which by the way that's still one of my favorite albums and yeah, i kind album. of just my way like ended up doing piano lessons when i was younger starting really young like seven or eight and doing like i would go to classical piano lessons and be like i don't want to do this i want to play what's on the radio like <laughs> you gotta switch it up so my mom found me this teacher and he was really cool he basically taught me whatever i wanted to learn i learned piano guitar with him taught myself ukulele and sort of did that while also exploring musical theater when i was really young and then it all kind of just developed from there i started writing my own music around high school and then you know started officially really started putting out music and started my own indie artist career in college. And again, the rest is kind of history. Nice. Nice. Yeah, man. It's, it, I tell people all the time, this is, this is such a journey in this, in this music industry. And then no two people get to quote unquote, whatever success is, no two people yeah. get there the exact same way. Like yeah. there's the thing about this industry, right? Is there's no cookie cutter way to be successful. Like you can't, push a button and say, oh, we do it this way. It's going to happen exactly. Nobody knows. Yeah, exactly. This art. This is art. It's all subjective. Like what you teach is great, but you can't promise people. So, okay, well, I paid yeah. you. You can't promise nobody nothing. Yeah. Like, and you have to put in the work always. Yeah. And yeah, like yeah. everyone has their own path. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but just trusting that like what's going to happen is what's best for you. That's my motto at least. Because otherwise, exactly. what else is there? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And obviously, like I said, your mom, your parents come from an entrepreneurial background. So you kind of kind of said you always knew you were going to be an entrepreneur. You always knew that you were going to yeah. kind of do your thing, right? Yeah. So 
my dad, so he was in the Navy and he studied engineering and he's always really been into music and audio. Like I, when I was in the fifth grade, I literally built a speaker for a science fair project. Okay. Which, I, and then we played the high school musical soundtrack. So that'll just tell you a little bit about my generation. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then my parents opened up a, a small business, which was actually like a coffee business. And it okay. was um, one of the first online businesses. They did have a shop, but it was really like when the internet was kind of just kicking off and people were building out stores online. So my dad was always really innovative in that way and brought music into my life and um, this entrepreneurial stuff. So I grew up watching my parents do it. And obviously what I do now is pretty different than that, but I was yeah, always yeah. just encouraged to like do what I wanted to do. And uh, when I was deciding to go to school, I was trying to figure out, do I study like musical theater? Do I study performance? Or what do I do? And my mom was like, you have to do music business because even if you want to be an artist, you better know your shit and you don't right. want anyone taking advantage of you. So you have to learn the business side. Oh, um, and I love that you say that because so many creatives don't understand like entertainment is the only career in the industry. I feel like where people don't feel like they have to get an education, right? Because we, we don't have in our industry, it's not like when you go to law school, you got to get a law license or a, a, a medical like to practice medicine and real estate you don't have to do all that so nothing you yeah. there's no like i guess standard unifier that says yeah, you're ready to be a pro you yeah. know <laughs> people just kind of oh, i have talent i should make records yeah and i'm like uh, i don't know about all that <laughs> and, I, and i noticed that there's a lot of artists too who just like assume that they can't do the business or they right. count themselves out and they're just like that is not for me like no way i'm not even giving it a shot and i right. honestly think that <laughs> i honestly think you're putting yourself at a really big disadvantage if that's you and you're just saying like no way in hell uh, because <laughs> the people who the artists that are business minded you might not see it all the time but those are the ones that really get further right and the thing about it is and we're going to touch in, we're going to touch a lot of kind of you stuff that you and i because you and I both teach, and I love I love what you talk about. But um, what it is too is that creatives gotta really understand that. See, success. Like I was talking with, a, with one of the artists I work with, work with, uh, and I, I love her to death. Sure, her, her pen is amazing. She's a great artist. And I told her yesterday, look, your audience may not be in America. You might like like our people got to get over the fact that I know you're from this country, but you may not. You're, you may not be a star here. You may It may not happen that way. Yeah, okay? that's a good point. Like, like, I don't understand what's so wrong. I, like, this is the toughest market to break. Yeah. You know, we're not the biggest population by any means, but we still kind of control the major music market, right? You see, like, you see, like, a BTS, right? BTS is, they don't even speak English, but they, but they're really the first true international boy band to really pop here in America without even yeah. speaking the language here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, but everybody wants to be this big mega. So it's, it just, it's highly unlikely that it's going to happen. It just is. And so if you can go to other countries and they love you, why does it matter if they don't know you? I I don't know. I guess because I've been to other countries, I don't know if you have, but because I've been to other places around the world and I actually see what being a rock star looks like and it's not LA and it's yeah. not what people <laughs> think it really is, you know? Until you actually go across the pond and you see how they treat you a lot differently. So, yeah, that's always kind of been like, yeah. You know, and then when you understand the business, you realize that you don't, the fame doesn't matter. The fame mm -hmm. 
doesn't matter. I would much rather somebody understand the business what they're doing so they can be successful. Because famous people are not necessarily successful people. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, and like I, I talk about this a lot when it comes to social media, but like follower counts or this, that, or the other thing, like right. that does not equal success. Somebody could have bought 10,000 followers. So it looks like they have, in fact, I've seen this. I've seen this with plenty of people who engage with my content and I'll right. go check them out. And it's like, oh, they have 10,000 followers. Oh, but there's 50 people liking their latest posts. Like that's weird. That doesn't, or 30 people liking, like that doesn't really make sense. There right. should be more people engaged with the, what they're doing. Right. It's because people either that maybe they bought their followers maybe they got all these followers but they're not actually keeping up or creating relationships with them and exactly. that number certainly doesn't you know amount to what's in your bank account like it's really all just uh that's all just perceptions and facades and so what really matters when you're creating your music career is what do you want and what's gonna help you get there because it, it might not be being Beyonce, but you can still have a really successful career right. on your own path. And with a small amount of people, I think mm-hmm. people kind of get people kind of think that if my audience, dude, if you have five thousand core that are spending a hundred dollars a year, that's five hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, off the seven billion people on the planet. Yeah, when you All think of you it like that, is five thousand like, people, and you're worried about you're worried about trying to. Uh, I, I, it just it, it mind boggles me when I think about it that everybody's trying to be that the one percent. Guess what? You're not gonna get there. Okay, this is the harsh reality. These people have you, you're dealing with, with artists who have millions and millions of dollars invested into them. You just yeah. it just becomes a fiscal perspective thing. You just can't do it. It's impossible. It's just not going to happen. So, but it doesn't well, mean that you won't have success. Exactly. Even if not at that level. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, you exactly. know what's so funny is that like there, <laughs> there's this thing going around TikTok that I saw yesterday where uh, I guess maybe somebody used a stroke, the Strokes, like one of their songs in an uh-huh. audio, and now people are being like. Oh no, Gen Z discovered the Grammy winning artist, The Strokes, and now they're going to try to gatekeep it. And it's like, yeah, because you know what? Yeah, you don't think of The Strokes or even so many other artists that really have flourishing careers, uh, but maybe aren't in the limelight all the time or ebb and flow uh, as like, oh, I have to be like them. And then there's like, uh, there's levels below that too of people who are plenty successful who aren't even the strokes and and still have really great careers. So I just think it's funny when, you know, like you don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know what's out there for you. What's most important is that you're focused on your vision. Exactly. And I just think, and, and I just think that, man, this, first of all, this is this is a really difficult this is a really difficult career. If this was easy, everybody would do it, right? But I think, man, thank God for the internet, thank God for social media. I don't understand how artists. Well, I I guess I do, but part of me is like, dude, you have social media, so you can pretty much promote whatever you want. This should be a you should be looking at this as a blessing. It's like because see, in the label in the era, in the days of the label. If that A and R didn't see your vision, you had no shot. Because if they didn't see your vision, they weren't signing you. Okay. Yeah. So now with the internet, you can go directly to the people. You know, yeah. I, I and I talk about 
and we'll get this to a bit later, but I would much rather a, a new artist not even put their music on the DSPs, sell it on some platform like Gumroad, sell direct to fan, right? And get that base, get that first hundred people, real people that want to buy from you. Can I, yeah. I, I, I explain to artists, your followers are not your supporters. They follow you. They don't necessarily yeah. support you, right? Right? So... Mm -hmm. That, that's something that I think a lot of people got to realize there's a difference between that. Yeah. If your, your, your supporter is going to, when you ask them to do something, to go, they're going to go do it. The following might not listen, like, they'll follow you, but they won't let you do what you want to do. That's okay. You don't really care about them. Like, you know, you care about the people that follow you, you care about the people that support you. Right. That's, I'm sorry, the people that support you, those people that follow you. Yeah, right? like those, it's super fans basically versus passive fans. Exactly, exactly. So you talk a lot about mindset for musicians and you know how creatives really should be setting up the mindset in, as far as a framework for success. Like, how important is mindset for for you? Why do you focus on that? Honestly, I think it's everything. Like, you can have strategy up the wazoo, but if you think it's not going to work for you, if you think you're too old, if you think you're not good enough, if you are constantly comparing yourself to other people, right. if you feel like you have hangups around money and so you don't allow yourself to receive money, it, then it's not going to happen. Just like point blank, it's not going to happen if you are blocking yourself from make allowing it to happen so right. when when i'm working with clients uh especially at the higher level like one-on-one -on -one or in my, in my mastermind containers it's a lot of mindset work because especially as you're growing it you're constantly leveling up and constantly having to deal with like new limiting beliefs that come in and that right. stop you uh from really stepping into what you're trying to create or doing what you're trying to do so right. i i mean i my journey, like just as a person and as a musician involves struggling with anxiety and also just overcoming a lot of mindset blocks when I was starting my business. And I've seen it change my life. I've seen it change a lot of my, pretty much all my clients' lives when you actually focus on it because right. it allows you to take back your control and not feel like everything is happening to you or that, you know, it's not going to happen because X, Y, Z. And instead put yourself in a place where you're able to feel at peace and how you want to feel every day and not just like, I mean, listen, the music industry can be hard. Yeah. Not like yeah. we're not going to pretend it's not. Right. So, and so can the coaching industry, right? It can yeah. be hard. So you have to take care of yourself, your body and your mind in order to be able to get through like as simple as that. That's so true. And that kind of leads me to the next thing about the whole thing about there's a misconception that you, that if you're just working every minute of the day, somehow you're not going to be successful, right? Like right. people feel like, oh, I have to be doing something every like No, and you, you're really big on self-care. You're really big on like, mm -hmm. we're not going to work super hard today. We're just going to work smarter, right? Yeah. And so you can't talk to me about that. Like yeah. your, your philosophy on how to avoid burnout and, and, and why you think that that's important for creatives, for the creative listening to this. And so people just, a lot, I know a lot of people, just the entrepreneurs in general feel like, I bet I got to be going 100 miles an hour, 100 yeah. miles an hour. And if I'm not, then I'm not going to get anything done. And, mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. And it's like, I don't think that's really the case. I think you should do things, you know, that and, and make, make sure you do things and work, working smarter versus work, working harder and, and, and 
and having time for yourself and knowing what to kind of teach. Let's shut it down for today. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So I, again, I, can you hear my dog chirping? Yeah. Back? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so I basically, again, talk about this because I went through it. Like, yeah. I had experienced burnout, and at one point, I literally had, like, five or six different jobs that I was balancing, and it was just, like, it was terrible. Like, I was exhausted all the time, and I couldn't, uh, I could, I had so much anxiety as well, and I just couldn't really uh, be at the place where I wanted to be or feel good. So this is super important to me because for those of you who don't know, I actually started as a wellness coach before I transitioned fully to the music business. Um, oh, okay. a wellness coach for musicians, but that's Very where cool. I started. Yeah. So, nice. yeah. So I had a ton of clients who'd come to me and say the same thing of like, I just have so much imposter syndrome or I'm just tired. I've worked with other coaches or in other programs and everything is just very much like go 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 and if you don't uh if you don't like lose sleep then you're not working hard enough like if right. you know, like if you're not breaking your back then you don't want it enough right. and i had so many people come to me a lot of women saying i just can't do this anymore like how am i supposed to sustain this i i'm exhausted it's not working and i'm not getting the results so what do i do now right basically like at a breaking point and i like to say it like this there are usually two reasons why people go into scarcity scarcity is a is a big reason that people experience burnout or do the hustle culture because they think that you know, they, if they're not working all the time, they're going to miss out on an opportunity. If they're not, you know, doing X, Y, Z and taking on five jobs, then like, they're not going to get forward in the, move forward in this way. When the reality is that we know that when you are intentionally focusing your actions on whatever goal you're working towards, you're going to reach that goal with, uh, much, much faster, first of all, and in a way that actually works for you instead of throwing spaghetti at a wall and just being everywhere at once, because then you're not creating deep relationships. You're not working, you know, at a project and really like getting, gaining traction there. Right. You're going to just be like spreading a really thin field, but not really doing what you want to do. So if you're stuck in scarcity, usually that's because you feel scarcity of time or scarcity of money Often scarcity of time comes from scarcity of money. You know, I want the money now, so I feel like I need it to happen now. Sometimes though, scarcity of time can happen from like um, expectations, internal or external, of where you're supposed to be. You know, whether that's around age or length that you've been trying it or comparing yourself to other people. A lot of times it's these internal or external expectations we place on ourselves to be somewhere else or to get to this point. And so we try to force it. We try to get there faster and do more and rush, rush, rush. And that is not actually helping anything. (laughs) It it, it isn't. You know, people have to think, oh my God. And for some reason, right, this generation is like, oh my gosh, I'm 28 years old and I haven't made it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like that, I know. That, that like, like, I don't, I'm 35 and I've been doing this 17 years. I'm just in my groove right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and kind of having to find my way, right? And it's like, but I guess because this younger generation, you know, because we, they live in a, in, a, in a microwave space, right? Everything yeah. has to happen right away. Yeah. And, and so if it doesn't happen, if I'm old, you're not old. 
Yeah. I've, I've just, that always has been like, it always kind of mind boggled me when people think like that because, again, but what does that come with? That comes in watching other people. And I always tell artists, stop watching other people. You don't know what their journey is. You don't know yeah. what situations that they're in. So you actually, you actually, you think you're, you're jealous of them. They're probably jealous of you because let's say they're locked into some bull, bullshit fucked up contract. With, a, with an investor who may not even understand how the music industry works, you know? Yeah. You have to be careful who you take money from, you know? Absolutely. You have to be careful yeah, who think... you do, you know, because because this is an industry where we're selling emotion, right? Oh, so the person, the, the wrong investor who doesn't understand that, you know, is probably going to not be right because they're going to expect you to make X amount of dollars back in, and if they give you a hundred thousand, they want two hundred thousand back, and it don't work like that, man. <laughs> so yeah, you got to be careful. So I, I definitely think, um, I definitely think that the 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 mindset is so important when you're chasing this, the, the chasing this dream and building the dream, building your dream in this in this space for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and also, too, what I love as well, too, is you're really big on how to grow your audience organically on social media, right? Yeah. And, so, and I'm the same way, too, because I think there's a lot of people, there's a lot of coaches out here just saying, just do paid ads, just do paid ads. And I'm just like, no, you got to set the foundation first. Yes. Okay? Um, it, it, it bothers me so much, Katie, that I see a lot of these coaches out here. just And not everybody's ready to scale like that yet. You know, yeah. I just think they're, you know, and I think you need to grow because the thing about it is, right, Instagram has made it and Facebook has made it now where if you want the massive eyeballs, you got to pay for it. Yeah. And the organic reach is pretty much, it's pretty much done, right? You know, I have an artist when I just told you about, she's complaining, she's upset. like, man, I'm posting content and nobody's watching my stuff. You know, I said, it's, the, it's not true for us, the algorithm. It's not you. It's the Instagram has made it. They've they've rigged it. You know, you have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. So, what are some of the strategies? Like, so if somebody's struggling how to build their audience organically on social, right? What are some of the things? You know, I don't know. You get paid to do this, so you don't have to go, you know, too deep in. You know, you can have <laughs> the surface. I'm not telling you to give your secrets away. No, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what are, What are some of the strategies that you, that an independent artist to take and say, okay, I want to grow myself organically. Like how, how should they approach that on social? Absolutely. And just like you said, like I don't do pay paid ads. I think that it can be a huge waste of money. Uh, if you don't have a strong foundation and to yeah. be quite honest, like if you haven't exhausted your organic audience yet, then you probably don't need to do it. Uh, yeah. So save your money and focus on your foundation. So when it comes to building that foundation, I definitely agree that Facebook and Instagram have been going towards the direction of wanting you to pay. And so it feels really frustrating when the algorithm's not working in your favor. However, don't get super discouraged because like we talked about earlier, it's not always about the numbers. It's about the quality, right? right. So you want super fans. You don't just want a bunch of people who are following you. You want people who are following you and who are going to take the next step. Right. So the first thing I, I tell my clients to do is to... Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. 
So the first thing I tell them, my clients to do is to figure out the top one to three platforms they want to be on. I usually refer to an email list as platform zero. So that should be just one that you have that everyone has. So get an email list set up and then pick one to three more platforms that you're focused on. Or text list. Yeah, or text or, or list. Or text now. list. Right, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'd probably have both an email list and a text list. Yeah. But text lists, because you can go deeper in email than you can go in a text message. But text lists, that's a great thing to, to consider bringing yeah. on as your one to three, for sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, we look at the landscape. You get to choose what's good for you. Facebook, maybe a little bit outdated, but if your ideal audience is there, you can give it a shot, right? Right. Um, Instagram, I think, is still a place, even though a lot of people will argue that oh, it's probably becoming outdated and it's dying and everyone hates it now. People are still there. Like, I yeah. hate to tell you, but people are still there. And right. so it might be dying, but it's not dead yet. Yeah. And when I meet someone, I will still go and find their Instagram as the first thing that I connect with them on. So just consider that, uh, you know, probably most people have an Instagram. It's really just about, like, where you're actually actively showing up. And that's yeah. what we talk about you know i have a facebook and i have a twitter but i don't show up there anymore so i basically shut them down and directed people to where i am showing up so i have i have a presence so to say but i'm not uh i'm not actually spending my time there or draining myself you know like we talked about burnout you don't want to be everywhere at once because yeah that's that's a myth uh yeah just like me i'm not i'm not a twitter guy i am a facebook and instagram and linkedin guy yeah, you know LinkedIn's I mean? a good one too. Yeah, yeah. Um, that yeah. you can really build your connections on. And yeah. of course, TikTok and Clubhouse are the big ones now. Yeah. Both of those are really good funnels to bring people back to your Instagram. So yeah. well, I don't consider myself to be like an Instagram expert specifically, but rather uh, more of just like, you know, general social media and community building expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we look at the whole landscape, you know, a lot of... Um, People who study the Instagram algorithm will say that, yeah, it's harder to grow organically. There's a lot of people on the platform now. It's not as easy as it was 10 years ago. And we could all pretty much guess that. However, we can see that if you experience growth on TikTok and on Clubhouse, it's really easy to direct people back to your Instagram. So you can build your relationships and your community on other platforms and send them back to Instagram. Now, of course, you can build solely on Instagram as well. But if if Clubhouse or TikTok really appeals to you as a, a secondary or p- perhaps a primary platform, mm-hmm. then those are good places to start as well to, um, again, connect with people and show up regularly and consistently and then right. funnel it back to Instagram as well. So they're all working really nicely together. But right. again, the key is that you're picking like one to three platforms max to start with. Yep. You're not doing Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and Clubhouse and YouTube and you have a podcast and you're doing this because then you're just not going to keep up and people aren't going to know like where you are yeah, and where to get the juicy stuff from you yeah. uh, or what to expect from you because you're probably going to be half-assing it. Now you yeah. can build to that. You can build to that. But right now, if you're experiencing a lack of community connections, followers, scale it down, pick one to two platforms that you want to really, really hone in on and show up super consistently there and focus on engaging with your followers and potential followers to grow your audience. Right, right. And I always, one of the strategies that I share, and I'm sure you share the same thing too, when you're trying to grow on, especially on Instagram. So if you're an artist and you, let's say you are, 
somebody that your music kind of sounds like Bruno Mars, right? So what you would do is you would go to people that go to Bruno's page and start looking at his fans and who I can't stop and start engaging with them. This is organic. This is an organic strategy. This is a you know. This is takes work. When you do it organically, but we gotta realize here's a harsh reality. It's just going to take longer. Yeah, exactly. All right, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like I mean, people just want things to happen so quickly, and I get it. We all want instant gratification, but but it takes time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a great strategy, and I would even find someone. I like to find actually smaller people because okay. like with Bruno Mars, he probably just has a ton of followers who are just people, but they're not necessarily diehards. True, but if you true. can find artists who are a little bit smaller in scale and are comparable to what you do, um, then you can probably guarantee the people that are there are are a little bit more quality. You know, I'm sure like Bruno and other big artists, they have a lot of bots. They have a lot of dead accounts. They have a lot of people... Yeah who just aren't really on. Um, so the more you can find, number one, figure out, you know, who is a comparable artist who's maybe a little bit above you and what their audience likes and uh, right. who their audience is and engage with those people. Uh, you can literally go through, I like to go through the most recent posts and okay. see who liked those posts. Because again, those are going to be like the most engaged followers. And if they're engaged, then they're probably going to see that you're engaging with them and potentially go and follow you as well. Right. And then once you and once you have a, have a conversation with them, then go to their DMs. And then really, and the whole key part why we do this is that we want to get them into the funnel, right? Get them into the funnel and the top of the funnel. And then once they're inside the funnel, then there's different points of contact in your funnel. Like for me, so when you when you hear me go, hell, texterell.com, that's my funnel, right? That's super phone. When they, when they text me, they're inside my funnel. Now I have an automation, just like with email, but it's through text. Yeah. I have an automation set up that is going to give them value, right? Yeah. So one of my automations is, as soon as, they, as soon as they text me and they lock in with me, they text. So initially, I'm going to ask them to uh, set up a meeting with me. Can I give everybody a free 30-minute consultation? Everybody, right? So take the questionnaire I have in place and then set up a meeting with me. So I don't have to talk to you until you set the meeting up with me. Again, this is all a system. All independent artists need systems in place, right? So, that, so again, you're taking away a lot of the busy stuff. Right, you get them into the funnel, let the funnel do the work. You know what I mean? And then once they have a meeting with me and then I and I pitch my service at the end of the day, that's when I do the follow-up. And even after the pitch, I'm still giving value. Yeah. Right? I'm still giving them free resources to help them. So it doesn't feel like, okay, I just want you to spend money with me. It's more yeah. like I'm still going to give you value at the end of the day. After, after the pitch and the follow-up, you still get value. So you're going to, at the very least, you're going to at least consider wanting to work with me, right? So at the end of my funnel, I'm the last question is part of my automation. Hey, are you ready to work? Yeah. You know, and you, that's again, yeah, are you ready to ask for the money, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> the biggest mistake I see artists making is, besides DMing people links to their music, which I could go on a soapbox for. Right. But, uh, but the other biggest mistake is that they're just pitching all the time. Or... They're showing up as a personal Instagram fully and not pitching at all. And then maybe having like one post where it's like, oh, I've just played a show or I'm going to play a show. Come see the show. And right. then the rest of the posts have nothing to do with music. Exactly. So you want to find this balance where you're, what I like to say is you're showing up in your authority. 
Right. You are showing up as the professional musician that you are. I come right. to your profile. I can tell you're a musician. Your bio's on point. I know what you do. I know who you are. I see that you're talking about music and you're talking about uh, things that are related to your music and enough content for me to consume and get value from you before yep. you come out and immediately push. Because it's not about being a person who plays music otherwise it's just your hobby and people are going to see it like that yeah and it's also not about constantly pitching yourself because otherwise people are going to be turned off from you so you have to find that balance right so what is it for you you know i read your 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 message you talked about being being okay to ask for the money right what we call having an offer Right. You talk mm-hmm. about that a lot. Yeah. Your offer, how to launch, how to launch an offer. Talk to me about that process. Yeah. About, about how you go about that and how yeah. creators go about doing that. Again, you know, don't go into the, you know, I know you get paid to do this. So <laughs> no, I'm touch- here to provide value though. So, <laughs> we'll get into it. so yeah. So when you're an artist uh, and, and I have a lot of clients who are artists uh, and or coaches and or teach music teachers so a lot of the people that i work with they make money in a lot of different ways and some of them are just other coaches in music but some of them do both and i really love that because it allows them to create a multifaceted music career where they're supported full time with their own business um but let's just say that even you're just like i want to focus fully 100 percent music career only like i don't want to coach or teach you still need to have an offer or offers you know you're going to build up your offer suite now what does that look like obviously people will go to music which is definitely an offer though the music itself is not always the most lucrative one because we know that streams don't pay us too much and while yeah. we can you know sell the hard copies or digital downloads of our albums it still is just becoming a little bit more challenging than it used to years ago right Right. Um, merch again is one that people will often introduce sooner rather than later. Um, although again, merch, if your fan base isn't gigantic, merch isn't always going to be the most lucrative, especially because you usually have to put up money, yeah. uh, before you make that money back. So right. it can take some time for you to make back your investment. I'm not saying this to discourage people. I'm just saying this to paint the picture of what are the options here and why do we want to consider introducing something like a Patreon or a membership or a fan club or, um, you know, something else that really adds to your offer suite in a more, in a way that allows you to continue to create what you want to create and to get paid for it. So obviously Patreon is a great one that artists will, will introduce, um, And uh, I think that it can be really good for those people who want to, who already are and want to continue building tight knit communities of fans who are going to support them. And obviously through the Patreon, they literally are supporting them. (laughs) So that, that is how we do it. Now, a lot of artists who have Patreons, they go out there and they just like drop it. Hey, I have a Patreon, go do and then they never talk about it again. Yeah, so yeah, right. one of the big things I teach on, and I have a program called Out to Launch, which is for launching offers. Um, and it, this, this, uh, what I'm about to say, it does apply for releasing music as well. Although releasing music is kind of its own thing. So um, Out to Launch is more for Patreons or coaching or teaching programs. But what it comes down to is you want to have an actual launch strategy. So 
when you are putting anything out into the world, even if it's a merch campaign, even if it's a show, you want to make sure that you're warming people up to what you're going to Uh, put out there and that you're giving it time to be promoted and for your audience to actually go through the process of learning about what it is you're putting out there, learning about why this is for them or why they might want it, and then take that step to buy. You know, different products are going to require different journeys. Like a show or merch might be a little bit more low key than a Patreon launch where you're going to want to spend months doing it and like a month warming people up and a month launching, of course. But either way, so many artists make the mistake of basically just like, it's pulling a Beyonce or a Taylor Swift at this point where it's like yeah. the day before they're like, hey guys, it's coming. Okay, here it is. And they Have can fun do with that. it. Very few, yeah. There's only a few that do that. Drake can do that. You know, Beyonce yeah. can do that. Taylor, but very few people can do that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the thing is that with those people, their audiences are already really warm and their audiences are huge. So yeah, yeah. they have the flexibility to be able to do something like that. But you can't assume that your audience is ready to buy something from you, uh, especially if you don't really have a pulse on them or if you're not letting them in on the process and warming them up to the fact that like, hey, I'm going to be introducing something that you're going to be able to get in on and pay me for. Uh, And with that being said as well, a lot of artists position the Patreon as like, or the crowdfunding campaign or go pre-save my single as, hey, can you do this for me? Hey, can you please do this for me? It would be so great if you would just support me and I really need it. And the fan or the community members, like, they want to know what's in it for them. You know, like, obviously your super, super fans are going to do anything for you because they're just obsessed with you. But before people get to that point, they need to know what's in it for them. What are they going to get out of this Patreon? How is this song going to resonate for them? Why should they come to your show? Is it going to be fun? Is it going to be entertaining? Is it going to make them cry? Like, what does this mean for them? And really uh, warming your audience up to that is a game changer when it comes to launching your offer. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. A lot of us, I mean, I make I made that mistake too. I mean, a lot of us do. You know, we we have to we have to we have to take some time and just setting it up properly and getting people interested. And again, it's not something that we can do overnight. This takes a little bit of time, you know, and, and I've noticed that anything with success takes time. Like there's nothing that you can just push a button and say, okay. You know, once you're ready to launch your, like, for instance, let's say you have a subscription site where you're having content like that, that site, that, that content, it might have taken you four, five, six months to create the content enough where it's to the point where you feel comfortable launching it and asking them to pay $8 a month, right? You know, because by the time you turn it on, it's like a faucet. That money's automatic now. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that money. And again, off of, off of, off of, off of. You know, 500 people that spend eight bucks a month. Yeah. You know, that's $4,000 a month. Whatever. Am I, is, is my math right? Is it 40? Yeah, 4,000. My, yeah. my math might be off, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like a, a small amount of people, right? Once you who, who, it's like that money now is on autopilot. So when you get to the point where you can get the six figure range, now you're a full time, you're, you're a full time creative. Like I try to tell people, like, forget trying to be. Going to a if you can match your income, whatever your day job is. Yeah. You that's success. You know, yeah. you remember when, when, when Drake said a couple years at the Grammys, 
you don't need to win a Grammy to consider yourself successful. And yeah. too many people look at these these awards as this is the only thing that's going to validate me, right? Yeah. And it's just that always bothers me with people because it's like, no, the Grammy doesn't validate you. You were dope before the Grammy. Yeah. <laughs> you were great before the Grammy happened. Yeah. But it, you know what I mean? And so, so many people put those, if they don't want a Grammy, they're not successful. If they don't have a world tour, like if, if your, if your only goal in this music is to be on a mega pop star, then you're going to need a major record company. There's no way yeah. around it. Right. But then you got to think about it. What does that look like? Right. What, what does that look like? Cause I tell people all the time, when you try to go into the music industry, can you know this? You're asking, you're basically asking for permission. You're not going to take. You're asking for. You tell. Am I good enough? Hey, I'm here. Tell me if you think I'm good enough to belong, right? But the music business doesn't care about the industry. Yeah. You're right, and I think I wish That's artists would point, understand yeah. that. I wish they would understand. You don't need the music industry to be successful in the music yeah. business today. And it's, yeah. As long and if you understand the music, the business side of music, intellectual property, copyrights, publishing, that type of deal, you don't need the, the gatekeepers telling you that you belong. You know, because yeah. the truth is, they don't even really know. They don't know how to break artists. They're just making you break yourself, and then they go put gasoline or whatever you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like, I see a lot of artists who think that they want to get signed just because they think that that's all they can or have the option to do right. and that's not true like you can be a really successful independent artist in fact in a lot of ways that might be better for you because then you don't have people owning your stuff or taking a cut of what you're doing and you can instead pay a team to support you um yeah. and have the support still but not have it be that you're stuck into contracts or this that or the other thing that aren't really serving you not to mention the fact that most A&Rs these days, publishing or label, they want you to be already fully, fully developed by the time they get to you. They yes. want basically yes. <laughs> you to be at the breaking point of being able to show that you've made money, you have an audience, you have all these things, you have the potential, and then they'll hop on and say, all right, you've basically already proven that you're going to be successful, so now we'll back you up. Right. <laughs> how do you get there? <laughs> like, So if you're going to get there in the first place, you know, you have, you just get to decide, like, you're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to put in the legwork anyway. You can't just uh, expect somebody to discover you anymore. Right. So at that point, like, you know, what are your real goals? What do you really want to do when it's in your own hands right now? And, exactly. And no, I, I totally agree. I, I think, I think that one, a colleague of mine, mentor of mine, uh, Barry Coffin, who's a music supervisor, he, he told me that there's only 8,000 artists right now signed to a major label or subsidiary. 8,000 people. But there's over 8 million independent artists across the world that consider themselves professional independent artists. So the odds of you getting signed to a major deal, a major, is damn near impossible. Yeah. It's, it's just not going to happen for most of us because it's a money pit. What we got to realize is the music industry <laughs> is a very, very expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's no way around that, man. I'm sorry. There's, there's no way around it. You know, if you want to play with the big boys, it's money. Yeah. Talent, but I think that gets to be empowering for people of like, you actually get to have control of this. You get to keep your rights. You get yeah. to decide how you want to do things. And 
if you want to get signed or you already are signed, that's amazing if that's right for you. But you don't have to fit yourself into the box of being perfectly presentable just so that somebody hopefully will take you on and blah, 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 because you can have success without it. Exactly. Exactly. Katie, man, it's been a blast. I've enjoyed this. We covered so much stuff. I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. And you're awesome. Where can people find you, you know, if they want to work with you or get connected to your programs, things like that? Absolutely. So my website is katiezacardi.com and that'll pretty much take you everywhere. Uh, If you want to download the free training I have on how to promote your music and business without being salesy, you can head to katiezacardi.com slash freebie. Um, Otherwise, I'm on Instagram at katiezacardi. I would love for you to come follow me there and say hey and let me know your takeaways from this episode. And I also have a podcast called The Out to Be Podcast, which you can listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm going to be going to get that freebie myself. Yeah, go check it out. So I I want to thank you for for being my guest today. It's been an absolute blast. You're awesome. You know, I love everything you're doing and I will always support you. And uh, guys, it's been fun. Until next time, this is the Encouragers by Podcast and we're out of here. Peace.